Hello, podcasters. I'm super excited to come on today. Today's topic is going to be a blessing to you. We are going to talk about being distracted. And how many of you know that being distracted is one of those things that can oftentimes allow you to miss God's blessings or sometimes being distracted will cause you to have to make a detour. Um, I like to think of being distracted um, when you're driving on the highway and sometimes you're so distracted into your own thoughts or, or maybe even talking to the passenger that you'll miss the road that you're supposed to uh, take the exit. And, and you're now uh, detoured and you have to go down a little further than what you intended and get off on the next stop to come back around so that you can catch the proper exit. Um, when I think about being distracted, oftentimes it causes us to be out of sync in the timing that God has for particular things to happen in our lives. You know, I hear people talk about all the time how they want to be um, in the ultimate blessing of God. They want to be in that window of showerings of God and, and the blessings that he has for them. But a lot of the times we get distracted. We get distracted with things that don't have anything to do with God that pull us completely out of God's will, that pulls us completely from up under the blessings of God. So today we're going to talk a little bit about those things that get us distracted and we're going to be able to take a glimpse of it and glean from this particular um, scripture with the two uh, men that are walking um, to Emmaus from Jerusalem after the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And, and as we look into their lives, I'm praying that each and every one of us will be able to, to look at our own selves through a quick snapshot of their lives and, and get ourselves back on track if we find ourselves getting distracted like this. And not only that, I'm going to go a step further and leave you with four uh, tidbits and nuggets to take with you throughout the week to help you to not be distracted and to help you to really be able to grasp these principles and concepts so that you can be able to go through next week focusing on, you know, I'm not going to be distracted. I'm going to, to cut away those things that are taking me off course to what God has intended for me to do in this particular season and in this particular hour. So we're going to uh, jump right in. But again, I said the backdrop is Jesus has already been crucified. He's already been crucified. He's already been laid in the tomb. And on this next particular morning, we have uh, Mary going to the tomb to bring spices and all those things to per she goes home to prepare the spices to and to bring these spices and ointments back to basically embalm Jesus's body. So she's on her way back and discovers that he's not at the tomb, that the tomb is empty. So this is what this is kind of the the point in history that we're at. She discovers that hey, the Messiah is not there. She has these incense, these ointments in her hand that she had prepared at the house to embalm his body, but he's no longer there. And all of a sudden, she's upset because she's trying to figure out who stole the body. And she's kind of in disarray at this point. And then um, as that story kind of shuffles off the scene, you get to uh, this particular story that we're at right now, which is Jesus appearing to the two believers traveling on the road to Emmaus. So 
just so you can kind of get a feel of Emias, that location with respects to Jerusalem. This is maybe a uh, three hour walk. It's about, they're about seven miles in distance away. So they're walking away from Jerusalem, not towards Jerusalem. They're walking away from Jerusalem to Emias after this crucifixion has happened. So I'm going to start reading the story. So now that you have a bit of a backdrop, you have in your minds the idea of the distance between Emias and Jerusalem, which I said was seven miles and that it's about a three hour walk. You can kind of listen to this story and take um, a deep dive into really understanding what's happening along this walk when they encounter the Messiah. It says, I'm at verse 13. The same day, two of Jesus's followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles out of Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. So what they're talking about is the crucifixion, what I gave you the backdrop about. So they're having a conversation. You got to get this. They're walking. They're having a conversation about everything that had happened. So you got to think about where their mind state is at. They're probably in a state of grieving if I had to take a guess. Now, stay with me. I'm at verse 15. Suddenly, Jesus himself came along and joined them and began walking beside them. But they didn't know who he was because God kept them from recognizing him. Now, before we go on, go on to verse 17. Just make sure you understand where we're at. So they're walking from Jerusalem towards Emmaus. They're headed to Emmaus, this distance of about seven miles, three hour walk. They're talking amongst themselves about what just happened. They're talking about the crucifixion and going back and forth about this thing. And then suddenly in verse 15, Jesus himself came along and joined them walking beside them as they're talking. Now, I, if I had to guess, they're so deeply embedded in this conversation about what has happened. And I get this, what has already happened. And they, what has already happened, which is push, pulling them out of the present, what has already happened is pulling them out of the present moment to notice that Jesus himself has come alongside them and joined them walking along with them along this road. And then it also says they didn't notice him because God kept them from recognizing him. So now I'm in verse 17. Let's continue to go on. You seem to be in a deep discussion about something. Now, this is Jesus commenting to them. If your Bibles um, is highlighted in red, this is how you know that Jesus is now talking to the men on the um, road as they're walking. He says, you seem to be in a deep discussion about something. What are you so concerned about? So he's noticing that they are in a deep uh, social conversation about something. And, and he's like, what are you talking about? Because y'all are in a deep conversation. And that just reading that leads me to believe that this conversation must have been so deep that he's taking note of it. Like, hey, I just showed up and y'all don't even recognize that I'm here and y'all are still consumed with talking about, get this, what has already happened, causing you to miss 
that I'm already in your presence right now. Now stay with me. Remember the title of today is distracted. What has got you distracted where you're missing an opportunity to be blessed because you still on yesterday, you still on last week, you still on what happened last year. You still talking about what already happened. What has you distracted? Okay, we're now on verse 18. They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleophas replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there in the last few days. Jesus replies, what things? The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said, he was a prophet who did wonderful miracles. He was a mighty teacher, highly regarded by both God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders arrested him and handed him over to be condemned to death. And they crucified him. We had thought he was the Messiah. Get this. We had thought he was a Messiah. Now, is he or isn't he the Messiah to you? It says we had thought he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. That all that all had happened three days ago. Then some woman from our group of, of followers was at the tomb early this morning and they came back with an amazing report. They said that his body was missing and they had seven angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see and sure enough, Jesus's body was gone, just as the woman had said. Then Jesus said to them, you are such foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted by the prophets that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his time of glory? Then Jesus quoted passages from the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining what all the scriptures said about himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus would have gone, but they begged him to stay with them for the night since it was getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took a small loaf of bread, asked God's blessing on it and broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. And that's where I'm going to stop on today. So this is a lot of scripture, but we're just going to, we're going to jump right in. Now I kind of started out and I was alluding to you in the beginning, talking to you about missing a present opportunity because you're distracted with the past. Now, I don't know who that's for, but if you're listening, it's probably for you. So if you're listening and you're saying, you know what, this is good. This is for such and such. I'm telling you, it ain't for such and such. It's for you. This is for you. You're distracted with something that has you missing an opportunity that's right there in your face. Because that's what a distraction does. Distractions will have us missing the opportunity that's right there in front of us. That's what a distraction did for these two men. They're on their way to Emmaus, so consumed with the crucifixion that has already happened, forgetting what Jesus had already told them that this has to happen. See, they've gotten so distracted with Jesus, what, what Jesus had already told them was going to happen 
that they now completely derailed themselves off track. Because if they had to stop for a moment and thought back and said, okay, wait a minute, he said this was going to happen. It would help them to get themselves from being so distracted and engulfed inside of the situation. And I know they're super distracted in the situation because in verse 17, it says, you seem to be in a deep discussion about something. This is Jesus basically trying to cue them to say, y'all seem to be in a real deep, deep butterfly conversation about this. It's like a deep butterfly social. Y'all are really deeply consumed with this because I'm sitting here and you don't even recognize me. And then they still are clueless and they go on to tell him the story. Now think about this. They're telling Jesus the story about himself. He's the person who was crucified on the cross. You're telling him about himself. He's standing in front of you. You got to stop for a minute and think about this. So he's looking at them as they're telling him a story about himself. And in, in, in verse 25, he's saying, y'all are foolish people. Why are you finding this so hard to believe if I told you myself that this is going, this was going to happen? And not only that, I'm standing right here in front of you and you still can't see me. It's almost like, what must I do for you to, to see and understand what I'm trying to get you to, to uh, embrace? It's, it's like it keeps going over your head. You're so distracted. Then he goes up to verse 26, which really gets me. It says, wasn't it clearly predicted by the prophets that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering the time of glory? So now he's going back to remind them. He's trying to get them. OK, let's stop for a minute. The This was all predicted. You've been taught this from day one. These are the scriptures that you studied that this was going to happen. You know, why are you acting like this is brand new? Then Jesus goes on to begin to quote the writings of Moses and all the other prophets, basically confirming scriptures about himself so that they could basically find a comfort. If I had to to uh, guess what Jesus is doing at this moment, you have to try to get this and, and stay with me. They are in the process of grieving. They've lost something very dear to them. Now, put yourself in this situation. You, you, there's something that you wanted to happen that didn't happen. There's a, a loss that you've incurred or you've suffered, and you're in the midst of the pain of it. A lot of the time when we're in the pain of something, we just want to disassociate from it. We just want to detach from it. We don't want to have anything to do with it because it's too painful. Never taking time to understand that Jesus is with us in the pain. He, he wants you to grieve through things in a healthy way. He's right there alongside you to walk you through it. And, and he's showing evidence of this in, chat, in, in verse 27. It says, then Jesus quoted passages from the writings of Moses. So now remember I said at the beginning, this is a three hour walk because it's a seven mile trip. So if it's a three hour walk, a seven mile trip, He's talking to them the whole time. He's telling them about these writings from Moses and the prophets. And it says he's explaining all the scriptures about himself because he's giving them a comfort and a confirmation to tell them, don't worry about it. It's going to be OK. You don't need to worry about that. This stuff was already said to you. He's helping them to grieve through a process 
so that they can come to a higher level of knowledge to understand, look, get out of the past. Stop being distracted with that because I'm right here and you're missing a prime opportunity with me. As I sit here and read this, it really blesses me because it makes me think about Mary and Martha. Remember how you have Mary and Martha. Martha is trying to get the house prepared for Jesus's visit. She's busy cooking things. She's doing all these little busy tasks to make sure that this house is prepared and food is done so that her visitor can be blessed in that way. Where Mary is looking at it from the perspective of, I'm going to sit at his feet. I'm not going to worry about no food, no washing dishes, because this is an opportunity that we don't get all the time to be in the presence of the Messiah. And we don't get this opportunity and I'm not going to blow it by doing all these fervorless tasks and all these things that could potentially what have me distracted. Come on now. There's things that we do that can have us distracted from getting in God's presence. Now, this is where we got to do a heart check on today. God is trying to bless us through an open heaven in this hour. But the challenge becomes, are you going to be available for the time required to seek God, to be in his presence, to put the work in so that he can bring the right things on your path to bless you? Or are you going to be so distracted with things and people and places that serve you no purpose? That's not going to get you to where he wants you to be. That's going to have you all off course. Are you going to allow those things to continue to distract you and then turn around and complain and say, you know, I'm not being blessed or things aren't working out for me when the reality of the matter could possibly be, I'm not saying this is it for everybody, but I'm saying, could it be, could it possibly be that you might be distracted doing things that really don't count for anything? Meaning that these are a bunch of temporal things and they're not things that are going to serve you anything eternally. And it has you so distracted. And, and then for some of us, we're like, well, what do you mean? What kind of things that I'm going to give you some example of some things that can potentially have you distracted. Like you have some people who constantly seek after, uh, temporal things, things like, okay, I'm going to pursue this business during this time. And I, and you know, they are just deeply involved in their business. Business has them so uh, busy building their, or what they deem to be an empire that they have no time for God. They have no time to read their Bible. They have no time for devotions. They have no time to do any tithing. They have no time to do the, even the basic principles of God. And then they wonder why it's becoming so difficult to build this business, why they're tired at night, why the marriage is not as solid as it used to be, why they're feeling distracted and their eyes are wandering. It's because the basic principles, you have lost focus. You've gotten distracted trying to seek after those things and you forgot the basic scripture, which tells us to seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. When you begin to see God first and you begin to allow him to be at the center of your core, at the center of your universe. When I say your universe, your heart, he should be on the throne of your heart. When he becomes your center and everything else will have to what? They will have to float around him. Your whole, everything else in your life will begin to be prioritized 
around Christ. And when that happens, the scripture can fully be um, fulfilled when he says to seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. He will align your life priorities properly. He will allow those things that you're trying to work for in your own strength to gradually be aligned easily to you and they will be a blessing to you and not a burden to you. There's a lot that comes with being in God's presence and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you. There's a reason as to why he told them that, look, I, I have to leave. I'm going to leave. I need to go be with the father. But there's one that's coming after me that's going to bless you and that he can't come unless I leave. I'm going to leave you the comforter. This comforter is going to guide you. He's going to love you. He's going to, to give you this wisdom, this knowledge, this understanding. He's going to help you to come into all truth. There's a reason as to why he told them this. We have to allow the comforter to lead and guide us during this time frame. But what ends up happening, we become so distracted leading and guiding ourselves, then we wonder why life becomes difficult or why we got headaches and why we can't get sleep at night or why things won't line up or why we feel that we got to work twice as hard as the next person. The reason that it feels that way is because you're, you are, you're working twice as hard when you are not allowing the Holy Spirit to do the work for you. When you're not submitting to the Holy Spirit and letting him lead and guide you into all truth. Now, I'm off my soapbox, but let me pop back on to uh, verse 29. It says, by the time they were nearing Emmaus. Now, this remember I said during this time of grieving, this was a three-hour trip. It was a seven-mile journey, and they are walking, and Jesus has told them about the scriptures of the prophets, and he's taking this time to talk to them to comfort them in their time of grief because he realized they are really sad about my loss. And they, they're so sad that they forgot that I told them that this was going to happen. So verse 29 is saying, by the time they had neared Emmaus, so basically they are already getting close to Emmaus and the, they're at the end of the journey. Jesus would have had to leave at that point, but they begged him to stay. And they're like, hey, can you stay tonight with us? since it's getting late anyways. So basically what I sense here is they started feeling better. His being in his presence, get this y'all. Now he's talking to them about the scriptures. He's talking to them about the scriptures. That's an indicator to me that what we need to do when life happens to us and tries to distract us is we need to get in our word because he's talking to them about the scriptures. We have to stop. We have to read our word because that's all he did. He's basically reading the word to them out loud. He's talking to them about the scriptures because what he is the word of God. He's the word made flesh. He's this moving, living being. He's the word of God in flesh. But now the word of God is regurgitating the word of God to them. So basically, it's like the word of Bible being picked up and it's a, it has its own voice. So that's telling me that in my time of sorrow, in my time of grief, when I'm confused, I got to stop and spend some time in the word of God. And I know it's time because this was a three hour trip and they spent time listening to him talk. And it, and it, and it indicates time because it says it got late. It was late at night and it would have been time for him to go. So it's late at night. 
They're still in his presence. They're feeling a little bit better. If the scriptures don't say they feel better, but if they are telling him, don't go, we want you to stay. That means they're probably feeling better and having a great time. Because if it's, if I'm not having a good time with somebody's presence, I'm going to tell them to leave. And I think you would too. If this person is not making you happy and making you more sad than how you already felt, you would tell them, okay, you're going to have to go now. You can, the door is over there. You can go ahead and go and don't let the door hit you. But they're not saying that they're, they're trying to get Jesus to stay. That means that's telling me that after I read the word of God and I'm in his presence, I need to stay there for as long as I can until I feel better. But let's go. You say, well, where you see that at where, where you feel better. Let's see if they felt better after staying in his presence when he decided to stay with them because he was supposed to go, but he decided to stay after they begged him in verse 29. It says, but they begged him to stay the night with them since it was getting late. So he went home with them. So Jesus agreed to go. And the scriptures clearly tell us that if you come to him, he's not going to turn you away. So they're begging him to stay. And of course he says, okay, I'll stay. As they sat down to eat, he took a small loaf of bread, asked God's blessing on it. Now get this. Now we all know how he fed the 5,000 and how he did uh, communion with the disciples. Every time he did something, the Lord had his trademark. This is how I want you to look at it. You know how we trademark something. You go to Starbucks, Starbucks got the Starbucks symbol on their cups. That's how you know Starbucks and Starbucks. You go to uh uh, any type of store Nikes, you buy Nikes, they have a Nike symbol next to the just do it wording. You know that that's Nike. And if Nike don't put no words and put the symbol, you know that that's Nike from that symbol, correct? That's like a branding. So we know from reading the other scriptures that the way that Jesus Christ has branded himself is through this communion. He, we know when he fed the 5,000, he does what? He takes the bread. The first thing he does is he gives what? He gives thanks. He gives thanks. Then he breaks the bread. When he does um, the last supper with the disciples, same thing. He takes the bread. He gives thanks. And then he breaks it, passes it around and does all the symbolic things that you hear us do today. This bread symbolizes my body, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that is like his trademark. That's how you know, wait a minute, somebody started doing that. They, they are associated with this particular corporation or this particular organization. That's a Jesus Christ type mark. That's a communion type mark. And it says in this particular scripture, it says, as they sat down to eat, he took the small loaf of bread, asked God's blessing on it, broke it, and then gave it to them. See, that's his trademark. Before he did anything, he did his trademark because he's recognizing they still don't know who I am. They feel better. They wanted to stay in my presence, but they still don't recognize who I am. So let me put my branding on it because a child of God, a sheep knows my voice. Hello, my sheep know my voice. I've marked them. See, y'all, you are marked, man. That's why you're drawn to this podcast. That's why you listening to it, because God has marked you in the spirit. He knows and you can hear him as you listen to the scriptures come out of my mouth. There's something about it that says, you know what? 
you know what? I just like listening to what she's saying. I, I just feel like it's meeting me where I, I stand in need of. That's how this is when he breaks bread and he does this symbolic, uh, what I like to call it, his trademark. They suddenly, now listen, I want to go back to that because it's so good. This is so good. Go, go, come with me, y'all. Go back to verse 30. We're going to do this together because this is a good one on tonight. Go to verse 30. It says, as they sat down to eat, he took a small loaf of bread, asked God's blessing on it, broke it, then gave it to them. Then suddenly, come on now, say suddenly. Suddenly, say it one more time. Suddenly on verse 31, suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. See, I, want, I need y'all to get this on today. Suddenly, their eyes were open. So suddenly, they were no longer distracted. Suddenly, they began to recognize, wait a minute, he's in our presence. Suddenly, he's here right now with us. Suddenly, they notice we feel better. Suddenly, oh my gosh, this is an opportunity. He's here. And then he does what? He disappears. But the awesome thing in all of this is that I'm telling you on today, don't be distracted in this season. You have to work to be in God's presence and fellowship with him through communion. This, this scriptures that we went over tonight ought to bless you because being in the present is so crucial. It's not just crucial to your relationship with God. It's crucial to every relationship that you're in. If you have children, you need to be in the present moment. When they come home from school, you need to be in the present. You can't have your mind at work and then think they don't notice that you're not in the present. That's how kids feel abandoned. That's why people have orphan spirits because parents are there, but they're not there emotionally. That's why marriages are falling into turmoil because people are there physically. And just because I'm physically there and I'm physically putting a check on the table, you think that's enough. That's not enough. I know it's not enough because these people are showing you they were in the middle of grieving the situation and was so distracted. Jesus was with them and they were still distracted. He had to take them through a sequence of events, almost a process so that they could get to a place that they could notice him. And, and I'm trying to get you to get this so that you don't have to jump through hoops and obstacles and make bad decisions in this season that you can be blessed continuously for yourself and for your household. Learn to be in the presence of God. And after you get out of the presence of God, he's going to help you to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit who's going to keep your mind in the presence because he's going to give you the peace you need and tell you to stop worrying about things that you don't need to worry about because he has it all under control. And when you stop worrying about things, you can rest in the present and be present for the relationships that God has drawn you to in this particular hour so that you can be a blessing because you've got something to give. How many of you know that you've got something to give that no one else can give but you? And, and, and we need that. Your energy is so valuable in this hour. When you leave the earth, whatever you had to give, no one else can replace that. 
You're that important to God. I tell you on just about every other podcast that you are the workmanship of his hands. You are a fingerprint and no one can replace you. The work that was assigned to you, that's your work. And no one can do it the way you can do it. And we need you to be in position so that you can be blessed and so that you can be a blessing to others. But remember, I said I wanted to leave you with some tidbits and some nuggets so that you can be blessed throughout the week. Some things that you can do to help you eliminate distractions. The first thing is to realize you are in a spiritual battle. That's number one. Write that down. You are in a spiritual battle. It says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, spirits, wicked spirits. Things that are in high places. This is not play play. I'm just here to tell you. And people say, what's play play? Play play means you're not taking it serious. That's what that means. When we said this ain't play play, that means this ain't like some two-year-old play play stuff. Y'all go sit down with y'all toys over here and play play. No, that's not what this is. This is serious. This is a spiritual battle. You're a spiritual being. You're a spiritual being. And there's a spiritual battle going on around you, whether you want to participate in it or not, because some people say, well, I'm just not going to participate. That's fine and dandy. You don't have to participate, but it don't mean that people and those spirits are not going to still fight you and, and cause havoc and try to send uh, weapons your way. And what I mean by that, it says uh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they are mighty so we can pull down these strongholds. That means those spiritual things that God has given us, these nuggets that I've given you, telling you you need to get in God's presence so God can can uh, rest on you with the Holy Spirit so he can bless you, so he can give you a peace of mind, so you can have a place to escape. You need that. You need that so that you're able to come from out of his presence. You can put on the full armor of God. That's number two. So number one was to realize you're in a spiritual battle. Realize you're in a spiritual battle because I told you, you wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's scripture. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against spirits, wicked things in high places. But number two is you need to recognize you're going to have to arm up. What does that mean? That don't mean y'all you arming up with no um, types of uh, uh, carnal weapons. I'm saying you need to arm up with your spiritual armor. In Ephesians, it tells us that we have to put on the whole armor of God because we are trying to dodge and, and, and not have these uh, weapons uh, hurt us that the enemy is shooting at us. You have to put on the whole armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit. You got to shod up your feet with uh, the peace. There's You got to arm yourself up because the enemy is real. He's trying to shoot uh, weapons at you to hurt you, whether you know, if that day you decide you don't want to arm up, then now you wonder why you got a headache and why you, you know, keep having all these thoughts because you didn't put the helmet of salvation on to protect your head, to protect these thoughts from racing through your mind. You wondering why you feeling like, you know what, this oppression is pressing against me because you didn't put on your breastplate of righteousness. You didn't use your sword of the spirit and, and, and speak against those things. When Jesus uh, was in the wilderness and the uh, enemy came up against him, he didn't fight him with his experience. He fought him with the scriptures. He told him when he told him uh, to, when the enemy uh, tried to get Jesus to do things, he 
uh, spoke against him by using the scriptures. It's important for us to read the word of God. And I know it's important because I just showed you in the scriptures that when Jesus was talking to them, when they were grieving, he started to remind them of the scriptures that Moses said, that the prophets had said. He was giving them a reminder. He was basically reading the Bible to them to get it down in their spirits. So that's something that we cannot avoid. We have to arm up, but that word of God has to be in us so that we're able to resist the devil and he will flee. And when we say resist the devil so he can flee, that's not just oh, I'm going to not do this and I'm going to work real hard not to do this. And if I do it for 21 days, because the 21 day habit book said, if I do it 21 days, then I'm not going to do it no more. Guess what? We was created in sin and shaped in iniquity. You're going to fall short of the glory of God. You have to read the word of God so that your mind can be renewed so that God can begin to fight those battles and those thoughts and those shortcomings can come up under the blood of God and you can truly be transformed and become Christ-like and the evidence that the Holy Spirit is resting upon you and resting in you because he said that he will put this thing in earthly vessels. The way that you know that the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you is by what Galatians tells us in Galatians 5 and 22, that these things are going to bubble up out of your spirit. It says the evidence that the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you, the evidence, the evidence means just like if we entered into a courtroom and you show the judge the evidence, this is the evidence to plead this case. So the evidence to plead the case that you are true a Christian that you truly lined up with the word of God and that your life is uh, doing what it's supposed to do. You are making the transformation successfully that you moving through your sanctification walk accordingly is that you should bear these fruits and it lists the fruits that you should bear if the Holy Spirit is truly dwelling in your life. And if, and if you don't bear those fruits, then guess what? You need to get in God's presence. It's just that easy. There's no way around it. There's no way around it. That's the word of God. And we believe that to be the absolute truth. Now, number three is focus on eternal, not temporal. So number one was realize that you're in a spiritual battle. Number two is you have to arm up with your full armor of God to include the word of God. Number three is you need to focus on eternal, not temporal. And I alluded to this as I was teaching on tonight that we have to focus on eternal things instead of temporal things. And this can be hard because you you have to be able to strike a balance between, okay, I'm not saying you have you just stop and you become a hermit and stay in your house all day and you know you just stop doing everything. That's not what I'm saying because you know. You're, there's things that you're going to plan, but you have to understand that God's going to order your steps. So you're going to still lay out a plan for your life, but you submit trusting that God's going to order your steps. But you shouldn't have a, a life where everything is just temporal. There should be a life of balance where you know there's some things I need to be doing that's eternal. That I might not see a full result right now, meaning that I might have to go help somebody that can't help me. I might have to get in God's presence and intercede for some people who can't come and intercede for me. I might have to do some things that I don't get a direct reward here on earth. The word of God says, if you got your reward on earth, there's no need for me to give you no reward in heaven. We have to start thinking more eternal and thinking outside of ourselves. And last but not least is learn to say no. And I know this sounds so 
crazy, but learning to say no seems simple, but it can be very challenging. Sometimes it's hard for people to say no. And I decree and declare in this season that you will learn how to say no by the leading of the Holy Spirit, that you will now in this new season, allow the Holy Spirit to make decisions for you and to give a vote and tell you what you need to be doing instead of you making decisions for you, dragging the Holy Spirit along and asking the Holy Spirit to bless the decision that you made and then get upset with the Holy Spirit because he don't want to rule and abide with you because you've just made some hasty decision. It don't work that way. The Holy Spirit is the leader and we are the follower. We should submit as he leads us as an indication that we trust him. And we, I mean, he was with the father in the very beginning. Why wouldn't we trust him? They have a flawless record. They have yet to uh, have uh, uh, enter into a contract that they haven't been able to uh, complete. We can be trusted in their hands. So why not start allowing them to lead and guide us? So again, I'm going to do a quick recap. How do we eliminate distractions? I gave you four nuggets. The first one is to realize this is really a spiritual battle. Two, to put on your whole armor, including your, you got to get in your word. The sword of the spirit is what's going to help you to resist the devil so he can flee. It says that he's an accuser of the brethren. It says he's looking around and walking to and fro to figure out who he can destroy. You need to arm up with the word of God. You have to get in God's presence so he can strengthen you. Life is difficult. Number three is you have to focus on eternal instead of temporal things. You know, the things that you may not get an instant thing back here on earth, but God will bless you when you get in heaven. And number four, which is my final, was learn to say no. Don't have the Mary and Martha symptom where you can't say no, understanding that when you don't say no and you in the kitchen cooking and doing all this random stuff and you busy uh, taking on all these tasks because you want to be the number one person at work because you hoping they give you some random award that ain't going to give you nothing in heaven. That could be time that you can be on your lunch break doing your devotion, spending time with God, trusting that if God wants you to be rewarded, he's going to reward you. You don't have to try to uh, beg and plead and uh, people please to get anything. God puts up and he takes down. All authority is in place by God. God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And in this hour, he has done a shift. There's already been a changing of the guards. If you have not recognized it and he's already made the, uh, in the beginning and things are going to be shifting very quickly the next podcast i'm going to go very deeply into that you're going to have to change your strategy whether you want to or not so why not go ahead and get in the water now wade in the water now and allow the holy spirit to lead and guide you and i'm closing oh gracious heavenly father lord we just thank you we thank you for this awesome time of fellowship with you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We thank you for leading and guiding us into all truth. But not only that, God, we ask that you allow this word to take root in our spirit, God, and allow it to germinate, God, and allow it to bring forth fruit and then much more fruit in due season. But not only that, Lord, I decree and declare that in this hour that their fruit will stay. I decree and declare that there'll be an open heaven over those that are obedient in this hour. I decree and declare that they will no longer have the fight against opposition, that they will no longer have the spirit of oppression holding them down, God, that they will be, be able to 
fly like never before, God. We just thank you right now in the name of Jesus, God, and you'll continue to move in their lives, continue to bless in their homes, meet them where they stand in need of. I decree and declare that their finances will begin to come up to where you would have them to be in this particular hour, God. I thank you, Lord, for all the tithers, God, that are tied. And I thank you for those who have a desire to tithe, God. I thank you for those that are still learning the principles of God and that they're coming uh, truth in their lives, God. I just thank you for every listener on today and the loyalty that they have, God. And I ask that you bless them in a special way right now in the name of Jesus. And for those that come on when I re-record on tomorrow, I'll be blessing you, talking a little bit about um, the shift that's taken place in this particular hour and how the God has like had a shifting of the guards. So that's going to be a blessing and that's going to be very prophetic. So I, I, I challenge you to come back on and listen to the podcast following this taping. And that's going to be more prophetic and it'll be a blessing to you so that you can know what you should be doing in this next particular hour to receive that open heaven over you. I love you. Be blessed. Be blessed. And know again that God loves you.